On the phone with me right now is Deborah Kemet. Deborah has been in the humor business for 30 years. The Second City alumni has uh, an amazing speaking career. She travels all across North America speaking to organizations on the creativity in change. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but just listen to uh, some of her credentials. She appears regularly on CBC's radio, uh, CBC Radio's Debaters. Uh, definitely not the opera, LOL, as well as the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. And uh, she has a film, it's called Guarded. It's in development with CFC, the Canadian Film Centre. She is also the architect of the 7-Minute Writer E-Toolkit, and she holds regular online classes coaching writers to stop procrastinating and just get it done. Sit down and write. So, Deborah, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. My 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 intro. It's like you know, I got older as I went on. I'm like, holy moly! Like, what am I doing? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, hey, I should have just made that intro earlier and shorter. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. And uh, I remember we met when we were uh, doing something for the debaters. And I always thought you were just such a, uh, you know, a great improviser, a great comedian, a great writer. And I thought it would just be really cool to do uh, a series of podcasts on creativity, the, the, oh, the yeah. process. So I needed to ask you, I uh, wanted to call you Deborah Kimmett with all these great credentials and say, what is your process? What is your writing process for, for being funny? Well, I write every day. Like I get up in the morning and I write and I have written every day, almost probably maybe 10 days I've missed since 1994. I uh, got up and I journaled a lot at first, but now I just write every day. It's like it's not, it's just a given. I don't write a long time when I'm not working on a project, but it's kind of, you know, I have a lot of writers come to me and they don't work their muscle. And you know this from comedy, you know, you have to work that muscle in order for it to just be easy to do, right? So I take notes. I kind of think of myself as a tourist in this world and I just and hopefully a good tourist not one of those tourists that complain all the time <laughs> but I just take a lot of notes and um, especially when I travel because you really are a tourist and you see things differently you can find a lot of humor just taking notes in the way people respond to life and sometimes I'm sure you find this Judy too you just say sometimes you just say what's in the audience's head because you're observing what they're observing and it's hysterical right so you don't always write it from a joke perspective right away. And I find the humor in the natural human being the funniest thing ever. And how we say the wrong things every single time we do ridiculous things. And it's just delightful to watch when it's not me. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Now, I'm curious. You said something there about writing every day, which I, uh, I'm with you on that for sure. And if I don't get to write every day, I feel like, oh, you know, I'm ripping myself off, <laughs> ripping myself off, you know? Yeah, absolutely, uh, and I think it's like, I always say it's like drinking, you know, like if, um, if you're an addict, I'm addicted to writing, so if I don't write, I feel like something's missing, and I do it in the morning because that's how I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are night people, and as I said, if I do a little bit, it's better than nothing, and sometimes it's just like you're walking, and all of a sudden you go, oh, you know that idea I had, I can bring it back, but I think everybody else has those ideas in the world. I think they're, you know, the, the nature of humanity is that we're creative. We 
own reality all the time. But I think as a writer in a comic, you have to just put down and start to work with it and work the idea. I also write a lot when I walk because I find if I'm moving, I'm not a meditator who can sit. I play rock and roll and I write and uh, and I walk and I can sort out like a whole routine in my head. A lot easier walking than just typing. You know, it's interesting that you said that because I find that... Um when I'm sitting down, that is the time to organize the bits. But in terms of just letting the bits come, I find that happens when I'm walking, uh, when I'm driving. And that brings me to my next question. How do you record those, those, those moments? Is it like you always have a notepad or do you write on your iPhone or... Um, I remember a, a story a long time ago, but Jan Arden was saying that when she was writing her music, there was a time when her tape recorder didn't work. And I guess this was pre-iPhones, but her uh, <laughs> tape recorder didn't work. So she called her answering machine and left the song on her answering machine because she just had to get it out. So for you, what do you record those those gems on, those those bits well, that randomly I come? I write both. Like, I write by hand every morning because so, I just so something else happens when it's the hand to the page mm-hmm. than when I'm typing. But then, I mean, I go on the computer and I also have a notepad on my cell phone. But, you know, I mean, a lot of times I'll just write down, you know, uh, and something that later on, like, turtle ate soup. And you're like, nobody else would get that except me. And I'm like, oh, the turtle thing with the guy. And, and, and I also, like, I don't know if you find this, but, I mean, I also write longer pieces now than just bits. So what I find is that I have to sit in front of the computer to do those but then when I write or read them out loud, reading them out loud is the best because sometimes like I make things way too long when I'm writing and I like that writing process, but then I'll like, I, I'm doing a new show this Thursday and you know, I cut like 300 words as soon as I start to open my mouth because you can do a lot with just, you know, an inflection or something like that. And uh, I think the thing about creativity though is I think people think it's somebody else has it down like I used to think people just sat like Mordecai Richler sat but when you actually read his biography he also drank a lot and (laughs) (laughs) he could see in a lot of drinking so I felt like oh maybe if I took a day and just walked it would be equal to him going to the pub but you know I think what most people do especially writers that I coach is they uh they think like there's somebody out there that has the perfect writing routine and I think you have to know what works for you but I do know that if you want it to come, you have to do it a lot daily. It's like you can't go to the gym and lift 100 pounds. You have to lift five-pound weights. And I think doing comedy in particular, you can write those small things until you work your way up to something bigger. Well, it's interesting what you say about uh, sweating it out or someone having the secret formula. I felt a great relief when I watched a TED Talk that Elizabeth Gilbert had given after writing Eat, Pray, Love and just talking about, look, I showed up, so now the universe, you know, I've done my part. I've, I've showed up. I'm here. And now it's your part to give me something to work with. But just that, um, that, 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 that determination, that discipline that it takes to be there all the time. And having said that, I know a lot of comedians, writers, musicians who don't feel like they have to turn up all. A lot of people, a lot of comedians improvise on stage and they get the the chunks on stage. So everybody's process is different. But what I wanted to ask you, because we're we're similar in this way, 
I write every day and I write in the morning as well. And I got to be honest, I wanted to ask you if you felt this way. I feel like if I don't get the writing out in the morning, I feel like my creativity is draining out of me. If I have like 10 other things that have to be done, I just feel the whole process draining out of me. And I can't like, I can't pick up the pen or I can't get on my computer after that because I just feel like, okay, it's gone. The magic's gone. Deadline. I, I mean, I write for the page, so sometimes having a deadline is extremely motivational because something has to be published by a certain time, and I do well with it. I'm really good with a deadline, always good when there's a check on Thursday. Um, that really motivates me if it's written. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the part where I can just play and hear what I like, I think Natalie Goldberg, who I've studied for years, she says, you know, when you show up on the page, you meet your mind. And if I don't meet my mind every morning and see what's going on up there, it takes about three days before I'm crazy. Just crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy, because I'm starting to, like, eh, you know, I'm like really weak and whiny. And, you know, I always say nobody wants to read my journals either. Like, I, I don't, like, they're just terrible. Like, you know, Virginia Woolf, she got all her journals all published before she died. And I was like, you wouldn't want to read mine, because it's the same whining that goes on for hours and days. But... <laughs> But I get something out of it that leads me to something else, and then maybe I'll work on something for an hour in the morning, and then, like you, I'll go, go out and do my own thing after that. Sometimes I can come back to it, but as I get older, it gets harder and harder to come back to something if I don't do that. So I agree with you, yes. When you're writing and when you're working on the computer, do you feel like, I know for myself, my best bits have come from, and you touched on this, this is why I ask, comes from writing by hand as opposed to writing on the computer and uh, I, I find the more cryptic the writing becomes I don't know why I don't know if I feel like someone's looking over my shoulder but it almost looks like you know the the waiters in restaurants that have that tiny piece of paper and you're like how are they getting all of us but the more cryptic that it looks those are the better bits and I don't know what that is I don't no, I think it isn't contrived and it's not something you've heard before. Mm -hmm. I think the problem with comedy today is not comedy today, like I'm an old fart, but <laughs> it's just, it's harder to get to hear your own original thoughts because you've heard a lot and there's a, people know the rhythm of comedy now and they can anticipate it because they've done the sitcoms and they've done the TED Talks and everybody's online doing stuff. But the thing as a pure creative human being, which I like, you know, not just comedy. I don't worry about whether it's funny at the top. I just worry about what I'm thinking and what's truthful for me. And if I try to get it contrived, which can happen when I start to type, it gets too tight too quick. Mm -hmm. It edit out the little part that doesn't make any sense to anybody but me, but that's usually the gem. It's the part where you go, what the hell is that? That doesn't even make sense. But sometimes that's the most fun part of the writing is where you don't know what it means. And I, I always, like, I try to tell this to my students, but people don't get it, who don't do it a lot, is the stuff that doesn't make any sense, you should just let it be there, like sort of like an old guy sitting in the corner until you figure out what it means. Because sometimes it's a symbol for something. I wrote plays, you know, I've written plays for the Tarragon and that, and I had this weird thing happen. And every time I wrote three plays in a row, three years in a row, every time I went to write, there was always this guy in a wheelchair. And, 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 and every time, you know, they take it to the reading and they go, what the hell is this guy doing in the wheelchair? And anyway, he ended up always getting kicked out of the wheelchair. And it was, he became, he didn't need a wheelchair is what my point was. And I remember somebody said, why do you want to put a wheelchair? 
go to write a play until I find the voice. And I laughed. I said, this is my crutch. And I pardon the pun, but it's like, it was literally a crutch. And I think there's things you need to have that you trust about your writing process that nobody else would get. And, and I always tell writers this, and I'm sure you felt this, don't start telling somebody your, your idea because they'll wreck it. Even if they love it, they'll wreck it because they'll say, oh, that's great. You can do this. And you're like, ah, no, no. <laughs> I think the biggest thing about all of us today we're so plugged in is where is my creative voice and unique and I have to listen because I really believe we all come with a really unique way of looking at it and sometimes that's where the funniest stuff comes and and also not worrying about whether it's funny at the beginning if you just write it as the truth and the humor will come and as the years go on I just try to make it not funny for as long as possible because <laughs> I do know one thing will happen mm-hmm. that when I open my mouth the ham bone will kick in I'm on the phone with Deborah Kimmett. Deborah Kimmett has been in the humor business for 30 uh, 30 seconds, 30 years. (laughs) Why did I say 30 seconds? Uh, Well, she's from Second City. She has been on the main Second City stage, which is where the word a second came from. And uh, Deborah has done a lot of improv. Um, as you are hearing, Deborah teaches, uh, teaches writing. She teaches improv. Um, now we have Second City in common. I teach stand-up at Second City and I just wanted your take on something in terms of the, the, the people that you coach. I get three types of people and tell me if you, uh, can, um, if you can relate to this. I get the student who is amazing in the very beginning, but doesn't do any homework and they fizzle out by, you know, the third week. Then I get the student who is so awful that I think, oh, how is this going to work out? But they are so afraid of uh, of dying that they actually <laughs> listen and they do the exercises. And then the third person is the person who has the natural ability, but is so afraid and so hungry. They also do the homework. And those are the gems. And those people come along. You get one every couple of classes, you know, that real yeah. person. You go, yeah. wow, that's really special. I, but they're I, also working I, I on it. I haven't taught at Second City in a number of years, but um, I taught my writing workshops there Mm -hmm. and uh it's weird because you know i don't know like i'm 58 i I don't know how old you are but the truth is like we were not we were not i didn't have like people in my home going yay be creative like they were like what are you doing get the hell to work like they didn't understand so now i'm finding and this sounds like an old crone but there's just this thing of like they've had a lot of time on stage that i wouldn't have had at 25 you know like I was already a working actor, improvising and writing my own material for a profession. And I hadn't any experience by the time I was 20. I mean, any experience, like no education, what it means. Mm-hmm. So I think what happens when they come to Second City, there's a lot riding on them succeeding. And, and or stand-up, or writing, you know? And I've had to really look at this for myself, is like, what point in the process are they? What Do they really want it? Or is it just fun? Because the problem is the fear that gets attached when people want it. It's all it's those three instances, as you say, and they screw themselves up either because they were called funny in high school or something, or they want it so bad they can't get in touch with the intuitive side 
because they think if it took time to actually develop that, you know, they, they want that kind of hit of stardom or that's hilarious given that comedy is very far from stardom most days. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like they don't want to do the work where I had the hunger and I just kept doing the work and I failed a lot. But I also think you cannot learn, probably stand up either, in a class. I mean, you, you can learn some techniques, but then you've got to get out in front of an audience that your people to do your work. Deborah Kimmett, if you want to get a hold of her for uh, for corporate gigs, for speaking engagements, uh, you can uh, go to her website, kimmett.ca, K-I-M-M-E-T-T dot C-A, kimmett dot C-A. Uh, you can also reach out to her via email, Deborah at kimmett dot C-A. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, Judy. I appreciate it.